Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds or Wild podcast series as part of the University of Arkansas's Row Crops Radio. My name is Jason Norsworthy, and I'm a weed scientist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tom Barber, one of our extension weed scientists, and he's also with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Dr. Barber and I today are going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, salvage options we have and some of the issues associated with the um, extensive rainfall that we've had in portions of the state. And with that, we really are going to be experiencing some salvage uh, control that we're going to have to deal with in the coming days. And Dr. Barbara, this past week, I guess Monday, Tuesday of this week, I was in Eastern Arkansas and specifically, I guess, Tuesday, I was in Stuttgart and barely got out of Stuttgart before I think they started shutting things down. It's been a long time since I've seen flooding like what we experienced in portions of central and southern Arkansas this past week. And with that, you know, I was seeing levees that were busted, fields are underwater, and we're going to lose, unfortunately, we're going to lose a lot of crop in the coming days. Yeah, it's really a bad situation. I think there's been water over roads this uh, past week that we haven't ever seen water cover roads. And so uh, we've got some rice that's two feet underwater. We've got uh, some rice and beans and and corn that are underwater. Uh, Saw some water up to the to the top of the corn plants uh, this past week. So it's a bad situation and it, and it ranges. It's, it's bad where it's bad. It's kind of a, luckily a narrow corridor where it is that bad uh, south of I-40 uh, down to McGee for sure. But uh, north of there, they got a lot of rain too. When we start considering two inches is not a lot of rain, you know, we've had something significant. Exactly. And, and regardless of whether it's underwater or just based on the rainfall we've gotten and, and, and lack of spray days, I think, you know, everybody has at least missed an application at best. And some are, are missing a crop now and going to have to start over. So it's, it's really all across the board. No, you know, it's, as a look out there, you know, a lot, we've got some rice, some of this early rice that we've taken to flood. And, you know, as we've taken that to flood, but we're going to have a lot of levees that are going to break. And as a result of that, it's going to take some time to get back in there and get those levees repaired and eventually get that ground back flooded again. We had some fields that we were approaching flooding and with all this water here now, uh, we couldn't get our nitrogen out. We couldn't get our pre-flood herbicide applications out. And for that reason, we're going to come back and we're going to have some pretty large weeds that we're going to be expected to control now. Uh, especially in rice as well as some other crops. But, you know, one thing is that we're going to have to deal with is is these residuals that were out there. uh, If you had residuals out there prior to getting all this water uh, on the field, it's very likely that a lot of that residual is gone. I mean, when you take a look at a residual herbicide, it's all about moisture and activation. And, you know, uh, some moisture is good from the standpoint it gets you in that top one inch to two inches to get the herbicide activated. That's where the weed seeds germinating and that's where you're going to get uptake of the herbicide. But when we start having soil move within a field or we start having these driving rains with extended periods of flooded conditions, we're going to push that herbicide down. And in some of these soils, you're definitely going to push it down well beneath the top top few inches where a lot of our weed seed is germinating. And that's gonna be a major concern as we begin to move forward. And for that reason, if you're going to have an extended period of time that you're not gonna be able to get a flood back on that field, 
we're really going to have, have to look at putting a residual herbicide out there to get us back to a flooded condition. And like I said, some of these fields uh, were flooded. And again, they're going to go without, they're going to go without a flood now for several days in terms of repair and trying to get the, the levees back established before they go back to floods. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I, you're absolutely right. And, and the long range forecast, everybody's wanting some dry weather, but you know, we talk about residuals, we still need rainfall for activation. And I know growers are going to bring the flood back as soon as possible, but there's likely going to be a window where we have some emergence uh, if it hasn't happened already in some of these fields. And, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these fields may have to be treated as two separate fields in one just because of the way the water uh, washed out levees on one side versus the other. I mean, there's, it's just going to, and in soybeans, the bottom end versus the top end. I mean, we may have two crops in, in one field now, uh, which is, you know, really hard to manage. But, but uh, you know, I think, uh, yes, it's going to be a, just going to cost us a lot more money uh, than we wanted it to from a weed control standpoint. I'd agree with you there. And, you know, I think a lot of folks are going to want to go out and drop the hammer on this. I mean, they're going to have some big weeds and they're going to try, they're going to want to try to, to get the problem corrected rather quickly. And, you know, I think in a lot of instances here, uh, unfortunately, we're probably looking at multiple applications. And again, I, I don't think that really matters whether you're in rice or whether you're in soybean or you're in cotton uh, because of the weed size that we're going to be dealing with now. And whether, again, that we could talk pigweed in, in soybean and in cotton, we could talk barnyard grass in rice. And, you know, me and you've had some conversations about Johnson grass and the issues associated with that. And we'll talk some about that today. But one thing is for certain, when you start having these weeds that are a lot larger than any label uh, that we have out there today, it's highly unlikely that we're just going to take one uh, application, regardless of what it is, and completely address our issues. Yeah, that's exactly right. I agree 100%. And I talked to a lot of growers and consultants this week uh, and some last week about, you know, what are we going to do? Let's get a game plan. Uh, everybody wants to try to get it done with one application, but, you know, I just think a lot of that's going to be money wasted because of antagonism on grass uh, specifically. Uh, so, you know, you know, my message lately has been, let's take care of the, I guess the worst problem first. If that worst problem is a grass, let's take care of that. If the worst problem is a broadleaf, then, then the first application such as pigweed, especially because we know with these temperatures, we may be growing two inches plus a day. So, I'd say pigweed, if you've got it, is probably the most pressing issue right now. Uh, but then come back in, in 10 to 14 days uh, with another application to, to take care of the grass. No, I, I agree with you. I think when you're taking a look at soybean, uh, definitely I'd be on top of pigweed first, try to get it under control. But it's going to be real, real challenging to, um, to take care of the grass problem and the pigweed problem, I think, in, in one shot. And, you know, you come to, let's just talk a little bit about, about rice and, you know, barnyard grass is gonna be the issue we have, we have there. And we're gonna have a lot of salvage situations here. And we've got a lot of clear field rice still as well as full page rice within the state. And kind of my go-to uh, in rice has been, at least on big grass right now, it's going to be 24 ounces of Rice Star HT and then, come back or mix with it six ounces of preface or six ounce, five, I'm sorry, five ounces of preface or five ounces of um, postscript. So um, I'm sorry, preface would be pre-flood and then postscript is going to be uh, 
post floods. So that'd be post grip. Yeah, you know, that that would be that would be post grip. And uh, beyond also in Clearfield Rice is kind of where I am. And I think that combination, at least in our plots, has looked uh, relatively probably the the most effective that we've seen in terms of the treatments that we've had. Now I understand that not everything out there is going to be Clearfield. Not everything's going to be full page. And where you really start running into trouble is then when you start taking again an ACCA's herbicide though like. Uh, Rystar HT, we've got Clencher as being an, another one. The, when you start mixing those with some of these broadleaf materials, we really run into trouble in, in rice. So I would de definitely say I'd be looking at going uh, HT alone. If I'm in conventional, I might. Uh, we've had some luck mixing that with things like facet, uh, putting some oil with that uh, has given us some success uh, at times. But you're probably not going to go out there and clean everything up, like I said, with a single pass of that uh, in rice. What, what are your thoughts in terms of rice? Absolutely. You know, we've done salvage, just like you, we've done several salvage type situations in the past. And and I like the, the Rice Star uh, plus Beyond or Postscript. I think that's that's a good salvage option. A lot of times we use uh, Rice Star Facet, but you know, if you've got the Sprangle Top out there, especially Amazon Sprangle Top, you're going to get a you know, maybe a little bit of antagonism on that sprinkle top from the from the facet. So it just kind of depends on, you know, what all we're looking at. But I know barnyard grass is the big one for sure. You know, regimen, I like regimen in this window. But like you and I have talked in the past, and, and like a lot of these growers know, there, you know, there better not be any beans nearby if we're flying regimen on the field. And so we need to be conscious of that. I think, I think regimen has a fit uh, in some places. Uh, during this window, but, uh, you know, the, the downside to all this or the unfortunate part is we're here, we're needing all the products that we can spray, but I'm hearing clinchers low. I'm hearing Rebel X is low to non-existent. Uh, Bolero's been mild, I think, for a little while. So, I mean, we're, we're limited on what we can use, not only by the crops surrounding us, but also by the, uh, you know, the herbicides that are available. No, I, I agree with you there. I'm hearing the same thing. And, you know, I think, I mean, Rebel X is a relatively cheap option in terms of trying to get clincher and trying to get grasp on the acre. Uh, you know, I think it's it's hard to come by these days. Rebel X is, and you know, clincher is, is there some out there? Yeah, it is. And, and a Rystar HT is the same way. And what I sit there and tell a grower today is if you've got water on your field and you know that when you get off, you're going to be in a salvage situation, I wouldn't wait another 10 days, 14 days to try to go out there and secure those chemicals. Cause I think the guy that waits another 10, 14 days is really going to have very few, if any options because of the availability of, of uh, the tools that are out there at this point. So definitely get out there and try to get those things secured uh, as soon as possible. Uh, you know, also we were talking about uh, from a salvage standpoint that we're seeing more and more, Johnson grass, and I know kind of shifting gears here back to soybean and, and to some extent maybe even cotton, but we've been doing some screening work looking at Johnson grass and it just, it continues to increase uh, throughout portions of the state. And, you know, we're seeing glyphosate resistance, ALS resistance, and ACCase resistance. And I think a lot of guys are, are learning a hard lesson where they've, they've gone out and they've got some big Johnson grass out there and they've sprayed it with glyphosate and they've sprayed it with with clethodium or select and and all of a sudden they're realizing well that didn't work and what what's option b are you hearing anything along those lines 
Absolutely. Uh, in the meeting yesterday at Newport IPM meeting for Jackson County, and and uh, there was a lot of concern in there about Johnson grass. And just like you say, they're not able to kill it with the things we've been killing it with. I mean, at best, we're burning it back. Glufosinate's in the mix, and it's coming right back. Um, and, and even in row rice, Jason, I've heard a lot of, uh, had a lot of questions about Johnson grass and row rice and the fact that, you know, regiment's not working, the, the clear field or, or full page system is not, those herbicides aren't doing anything to it. So that goes back probably to your ALS resistance that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's really scary when you take a look at Johnson glass, glyphosate resistance, ALS resistance, and ACCase resistance in some of these populations. So with that, I mean, we're only, we only have uh, glufosinate and, uh, you know, in an extend bean, uh, glufosinate's not an option. In an enlist bean, it is. I guess we have an extend flex soybeans this year. So uh, thank goodness that we, we have that an option there. But I think it was 2008, 2009, I had a graduate student in here and we did a good bit of work over in uh, Crittenden County looking at uh, glyphosate resistance as well as it was ACCase resistant population. Uh, the FOPs, the DEMs, we've got some resistance there. And what we found in our, our work was that you can take two applications of glufosinate and it's going to get you probably 90, 95% control of some of this rhizome Johnson grass. I'm going to tell you, I'm not aware of anything out there today that's going to get you any better than that if you have this three-way resistance of glyphosate, ALS, and ACCase resistance. Now, you can get to 100 with with a seedling Johnson grass, we can kill that again with glufosinate products like Liberty products like Interline. But on this rhizome Johnson grass, uh, we're probably looking at multiple applications of glufosinate. You know, Tom, we were talking a little bit about, about tillage and you know, folks don't like to use tillage and we've been afraid in terms of moving things, but we're gonna have to look at some strategies other than just spraying some of these resistant populations with, with herbicides, because uh, it's kind of the same situation that we're in with barnyard grass and rice and, and uh, pigweed in cotton and soybeans. It's getting to the point where we really don't have a lot of options. No, and it, to be honest, it kind of snuck up on me this year because I, I really, in the last couple of years, haven't had a ton of questions, but for whatever reason, it is, it is really bad and it's showing its face this year uh, on the Johnson grass. And, you know, we just don't have any great answers right now. You know, I wonder when we think about burn down, because actually this year I had a lot of questions about it in the burn down window. It was one of the first things out of the ground, uh, some of this rise on Johnson grass. And I wonder how, you know, just thinking ahead, but uh, how much like Paraquat plus a photosystem two inhibitor, if that could translocate enough to, to do anything. Uh, but it's really got us scratching our head right now. Yeah, which like you say, I mean, that's a burn down situation. And unfortunately, that's not going to right. help us. That's no short term help right it's, now. It's no short term help. And, but I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to have to probably begin to look at, look at doing some things like some tillage and see what impact that that's going to have in combination with these herbicide options we have, as well as, as cover crops. And, you know, it's, we're doing some work right now uh, and, you know, you're part of that, too, in terms of this harvest weed seed control and, you know, Johnson grass. And I mean, being able to knock out seed production will help us tremendously. One thing is 
rhizomes, rhizomes is a major issue, but when you talk of Johnson grass and spread across the field, it's really all about seed movement for the most part in terms of having very rapid movement of that resistant biotype across there. So I know we're gonna focus a good bit in trying to understand what utility that we have with some of these seed destructors and, and uh, on species like Johnson grass in the coming years. So that's kind of where we are there. But, you know, back to kind of all this, all this water, there's going to be some guys, I mean, you, you've seen it, that the soybeans that uh, they're, they're going to lose soybeans. There's probably some, I, I hope there's not a lot of rice that's lost, but there's probably going to be some rice that maybe even is, is lost. And kind of what's your thoughts in, when it comes back into planting back into this? I mean, we don't have a lot of crop, soybean is really from a cropping standpoint, this late in the year is our only option. What are your thoughts in terms of planting back into some of these rice herbicides and I've, um, you know, the corn, I've, I've had some guys are in some bad shaping corn. I don't think we're going to walk away from a corn crop, but some guys are looking at whether they're going to keep the crop, walk away from it. And if they do walk away from it, can they potentially come back and plant beans? Right. And that, that's questions we're getting on a daily basis. And it's just situational dependent. Uh, a lot of cases we'll be able to come back with beans. But, you know, uh, like you say, from a herbicide standpoint, we need to make sure we get the right level of tolerance in there. If we need to have an STS bean for, or a bolt bean for whatever reason, uh, make sure we do that. Some of our corn herbicides, some of these HPPDs, uh, you know, technically we're not really supposed to be planting back to those before six months, I think, on most of them. Uh, and that, so they may give us trouble. Now, if we can find uh, some of the elite 27 soybean lines, we might could go that way. But uh, for the most part, it's a situational basis. I think behind rice, if we needed to, which I'm with you, I think rice is faring the best in, out of all of this. Uh, you know, I, I, I doubt we would have to replant a lot of rice fields, but we might. I don't know. But soybean fields, cotton fields definitely uh, will have to be replanted. And if we've got break under that cotton acre, or peanut acre, if it's by if it's on peanuts by chance. I mean, there's really nothing else we can come back with. So uh, I, I mean, and y'all have done a lot of that work. I know Zach that worked for me now did a lot of that work, and uh, I just think the especially break being an aquatic herbicide as well. I just feel like that the chances of being able to plant back behind that are not very good. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you. And you, you know, we looked at break at one time in terms of trying to get a label in. Um, in soybean, and I know you've you've done work to get a section 18 on peanut in um, with, with break, and it uh, you know it was kind of hit and miss in terms of sensitivity on, on soybean. It's soybean is not the most sensitive species I would say out there in response to to uh, to break, but it definitely with all this water, one thing is for certain that's a herbicide that loves water from an activation standpoint. And you, uh, where some of these, we sit here and we say, well, you're, you're probably gonna have a lot less activity of the herbicide because you've had so much water. That may be one that uh, you get more activity out of it than what you were what you were expecting. But, you know, along those same lines, and I know me and you actually had a conversation about this yesterday is, you know, we're in a situation where we're, we're, we're replanting beans. And, you know, even some of my my plot work. We were talking about some work that me and you have together, and and uh, we've got residuals out. We've had residuals out now for a month, and we've lost a crop. And we're gonna have to go back in there, and we're gonna have to to plant. One thing is for certain, we can't go back in there and plant back into that field 
and make the assumption that we've still got some residual there that's going to provide us any benefit at all. We're really going to have to, again, start back at, at square one, and that is starting with a good sound residual. One thing is with the moisture where it is, when moisture come, when the water comes off of this field or in these areas that have had a, maybe they didn't have a lot of flooding, but pigweed is at the peak point right now. Here we are early to mid-June, and it is coming on like crazy in these fields from an emergent standpoint. What up is, like you said, is growing two inches a day. And to go out there without a residual in front of this, I think is really suicide. It's putting a lot of pressure on these post-emergence herbicides. And we've got enough resistance in this, in, in this state. We don't need resistance to additional uh, chemistries post-emergence. And I really hope that we're able to get some residuals out. And, you know, with that, folks sit there and tell me, well, that's an expensive crop. And I understand it's an expensive crop. And I think we're very fortunate right now to have commodity prices where they are. But I don't see how we can really uh, go back out there and not have a good residual under them. Well, and in the same, you know, at the same time, what goes along with those questions of, you know, how much residual, which one to put out. I mean, we've got some beans in a lot of these fields that are going to live. I talked to an individual this morning, had about 40,000 left scattered across the field that are V3, V4, and it won't just drop in there and plant, you know, on top of all that, which is not anybody's situation they want to be in. But our recommendation has always been to kill that existing crop and kind of start clean. And, you know, if you've got pigweeds out there, you know, depending on the technology, obviously if it's extend flex or if it's, uh, uh, enlist then uh, on a soybean, then you can't go in there and kill it with uh, glufosinate. But if it's just straight extend, you could. But what I usually recommend is Gramoxone plus a, a PS2 or Gramoxone plus Verdict or something, you know, five ounces of Verdict. Um, so it'd be Gramoxone boundary, Gramoxone metribuzin or, or whatever, just as long as our variety that we're planting is tolerant to it to help us get the pigweed out, remove the stand and, and give us another shot. But what I would tell everybody in that same breath is just be real careful about what's around you because we've been walking uh, Gramox on PS2 drift quite a bit this year because of the wind speeds and everything. No, I agree with you on that. I, uh, yeah, we've both been comparing notes on some of that. And you're right, Gramoxone and PS2 herbicides. We put those PS2s in there really to heat up that Gramoxone and get translocation of that herbicide that's helped us. But also, when that thing drifts, all of a sudden, uh, you get a lot more activity from that gramoxone. And uh, uh, as it drifts onto rice, corn, whatever the crop may be. And, you know, with, as you said, I mean, I think a lot of the, a lot of the bean crop in the state's probably got a metribuzin uh, containing compound under it. And one thing, again, just point out, and I, I keep saying this every time I talk about metribuzin is, if you're going to come back in and you're going to have to plant, you're going to plant a different variety. Just make sure that you've got a variety that's got good metribuzin tolerance. And, and yes, I, I, I would still be a big fan of putting metribuzin plus, uh, again, a chloracetamide in soybean, or there's a lot of different options you've got out there. Like you said, Zidual. I mean, based on our work, again, it's metribuzin plus another herbicide on some of this resistant pigweed if you're going to have success. Don't look there and say, well, you know what, I'm going to skimp and I'm going to pull metribuzin out of this. Metribuzin is needed to help burn down what you've got out there as well as make the other residual herbicides work uh, if you're going to have success. 
Well, and I think it's even more important in this kind of planning window than it is. I mean, I think it's important period and that's always our recommendation, but we're in, you know, we're in the middle of pigweed growing season right now. And there's going to be a world of pigweed that come up following all this rain. And if you've got flood in from a ditch, there's no telling what's coming into the field uh, on the soil that's coming in or that was moved in. So anyway, it's just a good eye, you know, don't feel, I, you know, I have to have this conversation with everybody, but you just are basically starting back at ground zero at this point, if you're replanting the whole field. So, Yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I, I feel for everyone that's having to go through that, but that's, that's definitely the case. And you did uh, appreciate what you touched on there. And it, this is another thing that folks are just going to have to remember is you're probably going to have some weeds that you've never seen before in your field. I mean, the thing about these weed seed is they all float and we've got ground that's flooded now that has, hasn't been flooded probably in the last hundred years. And with that, uh, everybody's, uh, well, one person's weed problem is now everyone's weed problem. Uh, all this water comes off and so you're going to see some you may even see some new species or you may say you go out there and say well you know what I've been able to kill uh, this weed with this herbicide but you may be shocked when you see that the next flush of weeds you're not able to kill because of some of these new weed seed that are brought in. No that's that's right so I just say you know as things come up call us text us and we'll we'll work work through it with you the best we can so. Okay. Well, hey, Dr. Barber, again, I appreciate you you joining my, my podcast today and I uh, really appreciate your thoughts. And again, as I said, I mean, this is a difficult situation for growers uh, across the state. I've never seen anything like this. And uh, I'm confident that we're going to work through this. We're going to get through this. We're here. Um, you've got, uh, you, you're taking phone calls every day. I, I get, get phone calls too, and we'll do our best to try to help growers uh, come up with a solution to these issues that they have. And so with that, again, thanks for being here today. And next week, Dr. Barber, it's my understanding, I think you do have next week's podcast. You want to tell I'm, on, I'm on tap again. <laughs> yeah, you're on, you're on tap again. So you want to tell every, everyone about what you're going to focus on next week? Yeah, well, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what the list says. I think by now we're playing it by ear, just whatever. Well, the that's right. Topic is, always, so. One thing is for certain, we weren't planning on talking about the flooding situation. That's right. <laughs> salvage options but that it, everything changes hey we, we may be talking about trying to activate residual herbicides in the absence of rainfall here yes, that may be true look in the forecast i think the next eight to ten days is not actually looking favorable um mm. for rain but i hopefully we'll get all this water off the field we'll get our our residuals out and we will get them activated but again thanks for joining us today and I hope you found this episode of the Weeds or Wild podcast series on the Arkansas Row Crops Radio to be informative. Look forward to seeing you next time. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.